0: It's episode 886 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. Today I want to talk about the Chamois Time Tour, part two. Let's cue that intro. Welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness, and longevity. Now let's get into the show. I'm really excited to announce our show sponsors for today, Silka. For those of you who do not know, Silka offer best-in-the-game bike accessories like tools, pumps, and all your everyday bike maintenance kit like chain wax and sealant. But what sets them apart, it's their commitment to quality, beauty, and craftsmanship. Trust me, these products are beautiful. They are built to last. Take, for instance, my track pump. I've been replacing my track pump honestly about every two years with these generic track pumps I get in my local bike shop. My dad has had a silka track pump since I can remember, and it's still going strong. If you want to spoil yourself, or maybe you just want to treat one of your cycling buddies, they've so many amazing products on their website. Their torque wrenches, their bike bags, 3D printed bike mounts. There's loads of really cool pieces there. They're like pieces of art. And for those of you interested in drivetrain efficiency, Silca offers the secret chain blend. It's a chain wax that reduces chain friction, doesn't attract dirt and grime, and prolongs the life of your drivetrain components. As a Roadman listener, you can get 13% off all Silka products. Just use the code ROADMAN13 at checkout. That's ROADMAN13.com at checkout. Not only is that going to get you a fantastic deal, but also let Silka know that sponsoring this podcast is valuable. So whether you're shopping for a gift or you're treating yourself, Silka has something for every cyclist who hates the new throwaway culture we're in and appreciates and loves the quality and craftsmanship. So check them out and don't forget to use the code ROADMAN13 for 13% off your purchase. All these links are in today's show notes. Roadman, welcome back. You will hear a little bit of a husk in my voice. I'm back in the hot seat, but I've taken a lot of dirt and grime down the throat over the past week of bike packing around the highways and byways of Ireland. The Shammy Time Tour was back for the second year in a row. What is the Shammy Time Tour if you're just coming new to the podcast? The idea of Shammy Time, it comes from a famous expression. I think it was Sean Kelly, where he referenced sitting around in his cycling kit all day after training and saying simply having shammy time made you faster and since bikepacking trips are very minimum in their essence where you have to really pick and choose what supplies you bring you often forgo bringing luxuries like jeans trousers and end up spending quite a lot of time in your chamois. so we thought it was an apt name for our bikepacking trip the shammy time tour If you were listening to the podcast last year, you'll remember myself and fellow roadman coach, Aaron Kearney, formerly of Evo Pro Cycling, went bikepacking last year. We started off in Granada in the south of Spain just after Badlands, and we rode all the way up from south to north, dissected the country until we hit Biarritz, which is on the Spanish-French border. We met up with another friend, Kenneth Kennedy, and we rode across to Girona. Looking back, I can't ever remember having more fun on the bike. It was a week of sun, miles, laughs. And in typical off-season style, we had quite a few beers along the way. We really wanted to make the Shammy Time Tour Part 2 happen. We'd been plotting and scheming all summer to make this trip a reality. But between the lads' work schedule and my podcast schedule, we couldn't really find a slot that suited everybody. It did seem like the Shammy Time Tour 2023 was doomed and would not happen this year at the last minute we decided to pull a shorter trip together and base it domestically here in ireland tourists from around the world swarm to ireland each year to check out the wild Atlantic way it sounds epic even say it and while it's on my doorstep i realized i would never actually taken the time to bike it also this idea of doing a shorter trip fits in with a mantra i've been pushing super hard on the podcast that it's not all or nothing It's all or something. We couldn't get the epic two-week, 220-kilometer-a-day trip across Europe this year. But does that mean we should do absolutely nothing at all? No. We had a shortened down, more low-key version around Ireland. All or something. The plan was hatched and the Chamois Time Tour 2023 was born. So the plan was to meet up with Aaron and Kenneth in Kinsale. Kinsale is this cool little seaside village in the south of Ireland in Cork. We're going to meet there on Sunday evening, have a couple of drinks for a Monday start. My mom's actually from the the town of Kinsale and I spent a lot of time in Kinsale as a child visiting with her brothers and we still have a family house down there. So it was an amazing place to start the adventure. Maybe it's likely myself and Sarah will even settle down there at some point because it's a part of the world we absolutely both love. So, I was chatting to Sarah a few days prior to the departure, and I know she's covered some of this on her podcast. But we decided to turn this into an opportunity and to create a mini Shammy Time Tour prologue. I needed to get to Kinsale, which was roughly 300, 320 kilometers from Dublin, depending on the route you took. And Sarah had never been bikepacking before, so we made a mini little adventure. Myself and Sarah set out on a two-day trip so I could link up with the lads. On day one, we rode to Kilkenny, and on day two, we rode from Kilkenny to Kinsale. I think day one was around 150 kilometers. Day two, slightly longer, and we were lucky to make it in before dark at around 175 kilometers. It was serious crack. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of a fitness difference between... Myself and Sarah, she's only new to cycling, but taking to it so fast and getting so much better month on month. So she had to sit on my wheel for a good chunk of the two days. And with the shortening days, like just losing light in the evening, we were in this constant battle where we had to push on a little bit to make sure we weren't getting in on rural Irish roads in poorly lit conditions. So I had to keep the pace on, keep the chain a little bit tight. So we we're staying close enough to that 30 kilometer an hour average. But I nearly broke my heart laughing on day one when we were going into Kilkenny, 140 odd kilometers on the clock, still a little bit of riding left to do. And Sarah shouts at me from behind in a a despair, which I'm not going to do justice or recreate on this podcast. Why are you turning the screw so hard on me? It was just it was born from desperation. But it was a brilliant trip for the two days with Sarah. And then we got to Kinsale. Ireland were playing in the World Cup quarter final. Unfortunately, they lost to New Zealand. But it was a brilliant way to start the trip and meet up with the guys. And then we went day three to day five with the guys. So day one, myself, Aaron and Kenneth set off from Kilkenny and we rode to Killarney. This is a picturesque route. If anyone hasn't ridden it before, I'd highly recommend it. Where you go from the old head of Kinsale and you trace the coastal route out towards Timoleague, Skibbereen, and then you cut inland and you go over to Cahap Pass and Malls Gap and finally descend down into Killarney. It was about 175, 180 kilometres, 2000 metres of climbing, dry weather. It was absolutely fantastic. Now, the following day, unfortunately, we went from Clarny to Kilrush. We woke up and the weather looked horrific. We woke up, we were in a hotel with a centre across the road, like a convenience store. We went across to the convenience store to, you know, supply, get some supplies like water, sports drink and some bars for the journey. And... The girls in the shop that owned the shop asked, could they take a picture of us for their social media because the weather was so bad? So they tagged us on their Centra, basically saying, look at these idiots going cycling to kill Rush in this weather. And it was, it was pretty grim. I've been riding the bike a long time and it was up there. I don't want to oversell it. It wasn't like top five worst days I've had, but it was definitely top 15, top 20 worst days in points. We got about three quarters way into a little village called Lestal in County Kerry. And from there, it got super cold. The rain, it started out beating down all day, but it seemed like it got penetration through our kit at around that three quarter point. And then, in you know, Irish people appreciate this. There's Ireland is full of these little inlets, and one of these inlets you take a ferry across the inlet. Now, it's only a short ferry, it goes from a place called Tarbert and it comes in in Kilrush. It's about a 20 minute journey. So, we tried to time our effort. The ferry goes on the hour, or so we taught. We read it wrong in our haste and despair in the wet conditions. The ferry goes on the hour. Sorry, the ferry goes every hour, but not on the hour, on the half hour. So we arrived what we thought was 10 minutes early for the ferry. It was 40 minutes early for the ferry. Now we're in a rural, isolated Irish harbour. The wind beating in, the waves beating up, the rain absolutely pissing down. So that 40-minute wait was probably the low light of the trip. The three of us were in a bathroom which was not a glamorous sight, all, you know, nearly fighting and jostling each other to warm our hands off the air dryer in the bathroom for drying your hands. It was grim, jumping jacks, press-ups on a toilet floor. Yes, it's a real thing. It doesn't sound too hygienic, but it's a real thing and needs must. So we got to Kilrush absolutely soaked. The next day, it was actually bad again, and there was a little bit of debate whether we were actually even going to ride. But we pulled another one out of the bag, but not before going to like a men's clothing store for workers where, you know, construction workers that needed outdoor almost survival kit. And we ended up stocking up on extra gloves and thermal base layers, which were unbelievably affordable, like Aaron got a set of gloves in there, like work outdoor construction gloves. They were like six euro. If these gloves said Castelli or Assos on them, they were 90 Euro. So if you're on a budget and you need cycling kit, hit up one of these men's outdoor construction shops. They're absolutely phenomenal. So our trip concluded from Kilrush to Galway, which was again about another 160, 170k. Beautiful trip, pretty much without falter, rained again for a good chunk of the day, massive crosswinds as we traced the Clare Coast, came up past the Cliffs of Moher and Intrune, Liston Varna, where Christy Moore has that famous song, Liston Varna, about it. The only hiccup was we stopped at a gas service station at one point to refill bottles, Kenneth forgot his phone, didn't notice till we were 15 kilometers down the road, so He had to double back, giving him an extra 30 kilometers. Myself and Aaron rolled on, found a beautiful pub, if you're ever in that part of the world, called Monk's Pub in Ballyvawn. And that seafood chowder in there, absolutely saved my life without that I think I'd still be on the in a ditch on the road on the side of uh, Clare somewhere it was just life saving so when Kenneth got there unfortunately we couldn't hang around for him to have chowder as well much to the comedy of myself and Aaron so we pushed on and we made it to Galway which is an absolutely unbelievable city for drinking and unfortunately I partook in that local tradition a little bit too much and I'm still a little bit hung over two days later I was absolutely ruined I don't drink very often, but when I do drink, it ends up being pretty bad. My baggage setup was pretty spot on with one recommendation that I think you should change if you're going on any sort of serious bikepacking trip. I used bags underneath my top tube and on top of my top tube from a company called Sightlight. Really lightweight luggage. They were brilliant. Not a massive amount of storage in them. And then I had an Apidura bag on my saddle which was pretty big and that's where I got the bulk of my clothes into that I put a pair of trousers kind of khaki type trousers to fold it small a pair of Birkenstocks footwear a t-shirt and my Roman puffer jacket and a pair of boxer shorts underneath into the sightlight bags I put my spare tools my food chargers stuff that I needed to access fast and that was basically it. Now, the one recommendation I would make if you are doing any sort of substantial bikepacking trip, like I had Alex Howes, which I just released last night on YouTube, talking about his tour divide. I'd really encourage you to head over and watch that. The tour divide going from Canada all the way down to Mexico. It's something that's highly aspirational for me. I love this idea of being out in the wilderness for 20 days, totally self-sufficient, and I'm going to loop back to that in a minute as to why I think bikepacking has such an appeal. But if I was doing anything like that, I would get rid of that Apijora bag on your saddle. Because it just, as soon as you get out of the saddle, it waves around. And it kind of feels like you're towing a trailer. It's not super comfortable. And I would move to a rack that I've seen a lot of people using in the ultra bikepacking space called Tailfin. It's like a carbon rack. Google it, you'll find it. it looks super cool. I haven't got one, but it will be my next purchase for the bike. I went on my gravel bike because it's more comfortable, I rode my Factor Ostro gravel, I had it loaded up with 47 Pathfinder tyres from Specialized, it was just a perfect setup and I kept the aero bars on it much to the displeasure of the lads, but it's nice to have just as different hand positions and especially in a small group it doesn't, it's not a safety concern and everyone in the group's a good bike handler. And it gave us that advantage of if we were stuck for time, I could sit in the aero bars and the lads could sit on. I could kind of tip away at 36, 37 kilometers an hour for a while to really just bring down that or bring up that average speed for us. The bike setup was absolutely perfect for me. I had front and back lights on, blinker on the back. And honestly, for a long time, I would have said blinker on your rear is may be nice to have but not essential to have the number of close passes I don't want to dwell on it too much because I want this to be a positive podcast but the number of close passes it's catastrophic on the roads at the moment and on a long enough timeline on the roads all of us are going to get hit it's absolutely ridiculous people need to I don't even know what it needs it's absolutely ridiculous I can't count the number of Really dangerous close passes where if I swerve to go around a pothole at the wrong moment, that was it. Good night. God bless. Roadman podcast ends on episode 800 and whatever we're on because, yeah, it's insane. Uh, in terms of navigation, commute, myself and Sarah used for the first two days. It was absolutely brilliant. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I know the road quite well, especially on day one from Dublin to Kilkenny. But it brought me away. I'd never imagined that it linked together... Bike paths and little laneways, and you know, weaving paths over train lines and across rivers, it was beautiful. And it hardly ever brought us, you know, on a road that wasn't rideable. One time there was a gravel surface that was waterlogged, we made a choice not to go down it. But other than that, it was brilliant, and it's come on a lot since I've used it a couple of years ago for planning my um, my training rides. Highly advised in terms of the type of kit I wore, the weather makes it a lot harder. Last year for the Shammy Time Tour, it was easy, shorts. Jersey, socks, bike shoes. That was it. This year, it was full winter kit. So it was shoe covers, leggings, socks, thermal base layer, jacket, gilet, rain jacket over the top of that, scarf, helmet, glasses. It was pretty full on. And I mentioned this because if you're planning a bikepacking trip at this time of the year, washing kit in the evenings is essential. And when I say washing, I mean a deep wash, not throwing it into the sink like chamois time tour in Spain edition and just kind of washing it out with soap and leaving it to hand dry. That's fine if you're just wearing shorts and a jersey and it's largely been dry all day. When you've got soaked off the road all day, the kit needs to be washed. So if, again, something to change in hindsight, I'd book accommodation with washing facilities in advance because we were just rocking into towns arriving in towns and hoping they had a laundrette service we're using booking.com and finding something that looked good at the last minute and all the hotels we stayed in didn't offer a washing service until the next morning so on two occasions we'd get a taxi out of the town to a 24-hour laundrette service put the washing in hang around come back for it it's a pain in the ass it was the most annoying part of the trip so if you're considering doing a trip like this i would say get a little bit organized in advance and have those places booked for anyone on the fence and you're thinking oh, bikepacking I'm not sure is it for me I would encourage you to try it once to drop your preconceptions because whether you're a racer and you think bikepacking is too easy I promise you it's not it's as hard as you want to make it or you're a leisure rider who thinks bikepacking is too hard it's too advanced you need too much fitness you need too much bike maintenance skills you absolutely don't it's accessible to everyone. It's so easy to mentally cover mileage when you're on these bike packing trips because it constantly feels like an adventure. It feels like you get transported back to being a child when your mom would say to you, you're only allowed to the end of the road and you would you know, abscond around the next corner and the next corner and you'd never seen these roads before unsupervised. It's a throwback to that. You feel like a child again. Something which I think I'll do more of in the upcoming months is micro bikepacking trips where I ride to somewhere that's maybe 180, 200 kilometers away on a Saturday, stay the night there and then ride home on the Sunday. It's a great way to get endurance miles in and the sights, the sounds and the people along the way will make those trips experiences that will live long in your memory. The Chamois Time Tour 2023 was an unqualified success. I loved every minute of it again. Brilliant company, brilliant roads, weather could have been better. We'll definitely be back for 2024. Roadmen, thanks for chatting. I'll be back again on Monday.